Hello and welcome to the podcast Where Did the Rabbit Go? In this weekly podcast, we celebrate curiosity, critical thinking, and evidence based skepticism. I'm your host Marco, and this is show 82 for Thursday, August 19th, 2021. How's everyone doing? Here in Monterey, it's a beautiful summer morning. Of course, later on, it will get insanely hot, as is the rule in July and August here in Monterey. But right now, it's nice and fresh outside, with a light breeze of air, some birds are singing, maybe you can hear this, or dogs are barking, and the nose is running. Wait, what did I say? Yes, the nose is running, it's allergy time. But that won't ruin my day, because it's a beautiful morning, and I even left the door of the house open, so just that a barking dog can interrupt my podcast. How about that? It's a nice morning, but it looks like that over the weekend we are getting some heavy rain from a hurricane that is forming in the Gulf of Mexico. Hopefully nothing to worry about. We are far away from the coast and we have mountains covering us from the strong winds. But of course we can get a lot of rain. On this week's show, I wanted to talk about an issue that affects me personally, the reopening of school buildings. Of course, this will include my personal opinion, but I'm trying to build it on the actual facts and weighing the pros and cons, trying to put aside my own biases. After that, it's of course another edition of our critical thinking game, Find the Fake, which is always fun for me to prepare, and I know I would also enjoy playing along with it. So don't miss that chance to put your critical and skeptical thinking skills to the test, dear rabbits. Well, now it's time to enjoy this show, and once again I will enjoy a nice cup of tea. Mm, how about chamomile for this occasion? So how about we get straight to the point and go down this rabbit hole. First of all, let me mention that I live in Nuevo León, Mexico. And Mexico is the country which has maintained its schools closed for the longest time. That doesn't mean that there was no school. We did virtual online classes, of course. But it's been 17 months now, to be precise. So now that a new school year starts, the question is if we should reopen the buildings. And the government has come to the following conclusion. Yes, we have to reopen. And back when that was decided some months ago in June, or even further, I think it was in April, they linked this to the following three conditions. Number one, all teachers must have been fully vaccinated. Number two, the state to reopen the school must be in green color on the COVID-19 traffic lights. And number three, the return for each student is voluntary. The reopening will only happen gradually. So the traffic light refers to a series of indicators like infection numbers, percentage of positive tests, hospital occupation, and several others. Depending on those values, a state will receive the color red, orange, yellow, or green to be re-evaluated every week. So green light means that the restrictions can be the lightest, whereas red light indicates that the restrictions have to be very straight. Back in June, when the decision was made to return to hybrid classes for this new school year, most of the 32 states in Mexico were green, and the remaining ones were yellow. And that was just eight weeks ago. As for now, seven states, among them Nuevo León, are back to red, 
because infection numbers have increased exponentially during the month of July with the new Delta variant. So just to get an idea, in June when this was decided, we had about 200 new cases per day, and now we're at 2,000 new cases per day in this state. So right now, I'm raising the doubt. Should we hold on to a decision taken in green light while things have changed and we are now in red light? Remember condition number one, that the state has to be green? Well, probably not anymore because in the meantime, schools have been declared essential, like supermarkets, which would make it possible to open school buildings with reduced population, of course, even during this red stage. But should we? Let us take a look at the arguments that are commonly presented for and against opening the schools. And let's start with the pro-arguments. The main one, of course, is that virtual classes were a disruption, and that argument becomes more and more valid the younger the kids get. But even for the older students, we can say that nothing, nothing can replace classes in the classroom and the personal attention from the teacher on site. Everything that we do virtually, and we make it work, it's just a patch, let's be honest. Therefore, the goal must be that we return to classes in the classroom with all the students, eventually. I think any dedicated teacher would also agree to this. Not only academically is this important, also in the social and emotional development of the students. Technology has already changed the way children interact with each other and with their environment, and pushing them into virtual classes may have just potentialized this effect. It is important that they can get together again, hang out and play, and work in teams collaboratively. That's also no question. Another argument is that lots of families who have their children at home in the morning now either had to take time free away from their jobs or had to pay someone else's salary to take care of their kids. Of course, those people are now pushing a return into the classroom because they cannot afford this any longer. And there's another argument, which is especially important in third world countries and in rural communities. Not every family has the means to have all their kids, all their students take classes on their own device. Not every family with four children has four laptops, tablets or cell phones. The Mexican government tried to avoid this problem by transmitting classes on additional TV stations, which was definitely a good call, but cannot solve the issue completely. You see, a TV is just another electronic device that adds to the list. And finally, internet issues. Any student or teacher can get kicked out of a class with a bad internet connection. Many families, as well as teachers, upgraded their home internet connections with their own money in order to have a more stable and quicker connection that can host multiple video calls simultaneously. I can speak from experience here. At times, my house is like an internet cafe with one person in a video call in each room. And in my case, it's only two children plus one teacher, and there are bigger families. And also, let's not forget that especially the teenage students use a bad internet connection as an excuse. They turn off their cameras and just go back to sleep or play on the console they have at home. It's an open secret. So they cannot hide like that in a presidential classroom. So all of this Pretty much a no-brainer, right, to return to classes? Well, not so fast. Of course, there are also arguments against it. And no, I will not talk about commodities like getting up later 
avoiding stress in traffic, or taking a class in your pajamas, which some people will clearly say is an argument for online classes. The main argument against the return to classes is, of course, that we are still in the middle of a pandemic. And as I mentioned in the beginning, numbers here in my state are currently higher than ever before. Teachers have been vaccinated with one of the most questioned vaccines out there, CanSino. The problem with CanSino is that the Chinese government is not releasing any data about the vaccine. So we don't know how safe it is, if it is safe against the Delta variant. There has been an article which suggests that. Anyway, the manufacturer now issued a statement which highly recommends a booster shot six months after the application of the first dose. In the case of Mexican teachers, that would be late October and early November. And uh, we don't know yet if the government is going to give us this second shot too. I mean, they should. And here in Nuevo León, yes, they probably will. But the governor of another state, Veracruz, already said that, nope, we're not going to give the teachers another dose. One dose has to be enough. Of course. Make your own reality, right? Yes. The dog also agrees that this is absolute nonsense. So, late October, early November. Until then, should we really consider teachers as fully vaccinated or rather only half vaccinated? No matter what's the answer to that question, no matter what's the answer to that question, the students are definitely not vaccinated yet. And the new Delta variant is more and more contagious among younger populations. And there have even been deaths reported of teenagers. And now, when the risk is higher than ever for school kids to get sick with the virus, we are sending them out there, or rather into a closed classroom? This just does not seem responsible. Also, let's not forget that even if vaccinated, teachers can still act as vectors for the virus. They can get infected in one classroom and carry it into the next classroom, or also carry it to their homes, where many teachers have unvaccinated children. Remember, kids are not vaccinated yet. It's not their turn yet. So again, the timing of this just doesn't seem right. If you had asked me in June, I would have been all in favor of opening the schools right now. But the situation has changed dramatically within just two months. And it now just looks like the worst moment ever for this decision. I can tell you from my own experience that a dedicated teacher will always put their students and their safety first. The classroom has to be a safe place for every student. Of course, that used to refer to issues like bullying or home violence, but right now that also applies to COVID-19. Our two priorities are that the students learn and that we keep the students safe. And no matter how many filters we put into air conditioners, how much space we keep between the desks, how wide we open the windows, nothing would be safer than staying at home for now. Imagine someone breathing out the virus like someone smoking in the classroom. No matter how hard you try, it would smell like smoke for some time. And in this situation, smelling the smoke would be equivalent to getting infected with the virus. So, no matter how hard we try, a classroom right now can never be 100% safe against this virus. Here's the problem, though. The political will has shifted. Most states are now willing to open the school buildings no matter what, even with red traffic light. And society has quickly moved away from feeling grateful towards teachers and showing them respect, as it was in the beginning of the pandemic. The feeling right now rather seems to be resentment. Maybe 
That's because teachers were able to keep their jobs and use technology to work from home, while so many other jobs were lost. So the main argument that teachers hear from many people aggressively is something along the lines, it's your job, you get paid for it, so you have to live with the risks. And that same argument, by the way, often gets applied when we state that we haven't even been asked if it's a good idea to return. Again, our job is to teach students. And over the last 17 months, many of us managed to do so. We had to learn a lot of this by trial and error. Now we have the experience of 17 months and the tools and resources in place. And also the students have the experience. This does not mean that we should not go back to the classrooms. But it means that we can afford to wait just a little longer until the moment is better. To sum it up, the arguments for and against are very strong. It is not easy to make this call. If you want to give students the choice, then you cannot give teachers the choice, and vice versa. There are schools that did a great job with distance learning, and there are also schools that are a great place to learn on location. The problem is that these are the same schools. It's all about resources. And there are schools that simply don't have the resources. It's the same schools that delivered results in distance learning as have been performing well before. But there are schools which do not have the resources, especially here in Mexico. The difference between these two types of schools is very evident. So there are public schools where some teachers did not give a single class in the entire past school year. How are children supposed to learn there? They got passed on to the next grade level because of the no-kid-fails policy of the government right now without having learned anything in certain subjects last year. So, of course, these kids have to go back to the classroom urgently. But it's also their schools that have not received maintenance in the past 17 months. Often doors or windows are missing from the classrooms. Weed is growing everywhere. And those schools are not at all ready to receive students with all possible safety measures against COVID. I also think that it's more urgent that the youngest students return first. The older students can keep up with distance classes for a little longer. Or can't they? Have we really listened to our teenagers and how they feel about it? Sure, they are digitally competent and have the skills to work remotely for as long as it needs. If they also have the tools, right? But what about their mental health? In middle school, usually they care much more for their peers than their family. They are trying to find their own place and spend time away from their families. And remote learning has pushed them back into that environment in their families. As you see, there are always two sides of the story. It surely is not an easy decision. So what would Marco do? Of course, as a teacher, family father, and as an allergic asthmatic, I am biased. But I just think that right now is the worst possible moment to take this step, just by looking at the numbers. I think we should keep our students safe, as much as possible. And for each student, safety can mean something different. What about that student who has a heart condition or is strongly asthmatic? That student whose family member is currently going through cancer treatment. These students cannot possibly risk going into a classroom with other people and probably bringing the virus home. But what about that child that is suffering from domestic violence, for example? For that child, it's urgent to go back, because the classroom was probably their only safe place. 
Let's remember that right now. With such high infection numbers, the classroom cannot be a safe place for anyone. In my opinion, we should use the resources and experience that is already in place and work from home as much as possible, at least until numbers are far enough down, until the traffic light is, well, let's say at least yellow. Of course, best case, the traffic light would be green and all students would also be vaccinated. But that's a long way to go. Let's not forget that all the safety measures that schools put in place are also a best-case scenario. Often it's wishful thinking, thinking of the ideal case. The margin for error is very thin here. So I would wait with the hybrid more, a little longer. The situation can of course be re-evaluated every week. But right now it just doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem safe. But... Here's my closing statement. If the decision is to go hybrid mode, I will be there for my students. And I will do my very best for them. Of course. Not forgetting their, my, and my family's safety. No matter if virtually or presential, during the work schedule, my students will always be my priority. And the same goes for any dedicated teacher. I will keep you updated, because August 30th is the first day of classes. So in this coming week, a lot can still happen. And I think the government, our governor here, has issued that he will make a statement on next Monday. We'll see. Let's move on to Find the Fake. Alright, this is everyone's favorite critical thinking guessing game on this show. Find the fake. I give you three signs or news headlines and one of them has been turned into fake by yours truly and you're invited to play along and guess. Here are the three headlines for this week. Item number one. A new study finds that night owls are happier than morning people. Item number two. Eating more plant foods may lower heart disease risk in young adults and older women. And item number three, new studies hint that the coronavirus may be evolving to become more airborne. Of course, you can, as always, pause if you want to guess along, because I will now reveal them. So item number one, a study finds that night owls are happier than morning people. I found this on Science Focus. It's an article from August 14th by none of our two favorite uh, writers on this page this time. The article was written by Christian Jarrett, and the heading is Early Risers and Night Owls, a Neuroscientist Applains Who is Happiest, so that heading does not give anything away. But this one was the fake. So the article finds that actually it's the opposite, so that more happiness is linked to the morning people. Yes, that actually night owls have higher rates of things like depression, seasonal affective disorder, and substance abuse problems. But um, the article also points out very clearly that uh, one detail is that the majority, around 60% of us, are not larks or owls, but we are an intermediate mix of the two. Yeah, And um, also that this is not set in stone, that we can shift, so that there are... Um, seasonal changes or 
changes due to age. So I have just noticed that recently I have become more of a morning person now that I'm in my 40s. And I see it with my kids now. They are teenagers. So teenagers shift their night rhythm completely, right? They they become night owls. They get up very late and go to sleep very late, which is also why schools at 8 in the morning are so highly criticized, especially in middle school and high school. Anyway, so they, they tested this. I think it was a self-report test, as it looks in the article. And um, yeah, that the night owls actually scored lower, significantly lower on this test. Okay, that means that eating more plant foods may lower heart disease risk in uh, young adults and older women. This one, of course, is true. I found this on Science Daily, and they got the article from the American Heart Association from August 4th. The summary is that eating a plant-centered diet during young adulthood is associated with a lower risk of heart disease in middle age, according to a long-term study with about 30 years of follow-up. That's great, 30 years of follow-up. A separate study with about 15 years of follow-up found that eating more plant-based foods that have been shown to lower cholesterol, called the portfolio diet, is associated with lower risk of cardiovascular disease in postmenopausal women. So that once again shows us that plant foods are probably more beneficial than harmful to us. Yeah, I think I should try this eventually. Which, of course, also means that our third article, new studies hint that the coronavirus may be evolving to become more airborne. This is also true. The article is from sciencenews.org, August 17th, written by Tina Hesman Say. And, uh, yeah, it says the virus appears to spread through the air, but masks reduce the amount of infectious virus. Of course, still, we have to wear our masks. But yeah, it says that most of the infections go by breathing it in from the air. So that's why I kind of made this comparison earlier in this show. If somebody would be smoking in the classroom, right? Imagine it like this. So the virus seems to become more and more airborne, which is something that we should be worried about. So how did you do? Please let me know. Drop me a note. I would love to know if you like these items, if I get the right level of difficulty to make it challenging but not frustratingly impossible for you. So please drop me a note there on social media. And that's it for today's show. Let's see if next week I already have an update with any new decisions or new statements that have been issued about returning back to the classrooms. And we'll see where it goes from there. All we can do is do our best in our job and also do our best for our own safety. So let's not forget, we are still in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of a very high wave right now, which is almost like a tsunami. So please stay careful, wash your hands, stay away from people as much as you can, and wear your masks. Dear Rabbits, this is all for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for taking your time and listening. If you like the show and you want to support me, there are easy and painless ways which are for free. Rate and review the show on iTunes and Spotify. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcatching platform. Share it with your friends on social media. Follow me on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok. 
you can find all the links in the show notes. Every little bit helps. If you want to be on the show or know somebody that you'd like to be a guest, please drop me a note on social media. Stay safe and stay curious. Until next Thursday, I am Marco and this has been Where Did the Rabbit Go? It's so unfair. I have a quiet rabbit and I still get the noise from all the neighbor dogs. Ugh.